go out and re-establish some things in some churches and some foundations. So um, I wanted to start by sharing a little story about my background. I became a Christian in 1980. <clears throat> and uh, that is a long time ago, I know, but it was the era where I was able to wear white jeans and tops where I could show my hairy chest and a few chains. <laughs> Forget that visual picture I just gave you. <laughs> I came from a background that wasn't spiritual. In actual fact, there was contempt for church and for religion. And uh, in the years since that time, I, my family has actually moved further away from any kind of respect for church, religion, the Bible. And so I grew uh, up with a no trust in spirituality or the Bible or what it is to be a Christian. And uh, I was more interested in my athletics, dedicated to becoming the best of what I could do in my chosen area of hockey. And I, uh, as a person, was probably led more by my emotion in terms of decision-making about what I would choose in life mainly came from my emotion around whether it felt good or whether it didn't feel good. And um, I had three goals in life. They were the three Gs, girls, gold and glory. Um, I was dedicated to those three objectives. This is before I knew Fiona, just saying. Yeah, that's, my <laughs> that's my alliteration. That's it. That's... There's no more. But in 1980, I was led to, the, to Christ through connection with my flatmate, a guy called Tim. And Tim helped me understand and challenged me to read the Gospel of John and see if there was anything that Jesus said that would uh, show that he was uh, the Lord and that he had something to give my life. And I began that process of reading. And in summary... Romans 5.8 basically reminds me all the time about what it meant to become a Christian. But God demonstrates his own love for us. I have not had an expression of love. I didn't know what it was to be loved. I was hungry for love and I didn't know where to find it. And so I gave myself to these other parts of my life to try and be attractive to people, to try and become the kind of person that people would like to be with. But God demonstrated. God demonstrated his love to me in an act of giving his life for mine and taking away my sin. That meant so much to me. It meant that I gave my life to him. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were sinners and while I was still sinning, Christ died for me. It changed my life and it changed the destiny and it changed my family's future. It is. I have children who respect God, have got something that's different. And I can't forget what God has done. And I thank him. But it was a journey because even though I became a Christian, I was still insecure. I still needed to know God's love. I still needed to understand what the Bible was about. And so a process began where that man, Tim, who's now a professor of law, and you might see him on TV from time to time, met with me and helped me learn how to have a quiet time, 
how to open the Bible and read a passage, how to pray, how to share my testimony with somebody. And he came alongside my life and helped me. And um, I needed this kind of foundation in my life. I actually needed a foundational relationship in my life. Those things that he helped me through were the formwork. If you're a builder, you know that you build formwork and then a foundation is put within it. Sometimes we focus on the formwork and think that's what we've got to be dedicated to, the quiet time, our prayer, our um, devotion in Bible study, having um, fellowship with other Christians. But they're the formwork and what they are about, they're actually to help the foundation, which is Christ. He is the cornerstone. It's funny, actually. Um, we were in an era where the Dick Eastman School of Prayer was popular. It was about having an hour of prayer every morning. So we divided the hour up according to the thing and you'd have five minutes of praise and five minutes of Bible reading and five minutes of this and you'd do 12 different five-minute segments. And we took literally Matthew 6.6. 6. When you pray, go into a room, into your closet, close the door... And pray to your father who sees what you do in private and will reward you for what you've done. He had a walk-in wardrobe. It was no bigger than this box that I'm standing on. So the two of us would get in there, get on our knees, and we'd spend an hour praying and worshipping and crazy form work, eh? It was even funnier to the person who knocked on the door and couldn't find us, and then we came out of the cupboard all blinking. Tim was helping me with form work. He was helping me put things in place so that I would have a foundational relationship that would see me through this life. I think as a church and as Christians, I want to encourage us to think about what is the form work in your life and what are you building in your life and who's helping you build that form work in your life so you have the cornerstone of Christ. It'll change your life. As a cornerstone, it helps you grow up and out, but based on the cornerstone. And Jesus is the greatest teacher that's ever existed and will ever exist. He's the greatest apostle, the greatest prophet, the greatest everything. And when he does something, when you read the Bible and you read certain scriptures, you understand that he's the greatest teacher and he's teaching us something for a purpose. And if he's doing something, he's actually setting us an example so that we can follow and have the greatest success in our life. I want to take us to a passage in Mark 1, verse 35 to 37. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Is that all I've got? Uh, I only gave the 35. So then I need a Bible. I happen, <laughs> <laughs> I happen to have one, which I brought along just in case this happened. And now I really do feel like, Russ, asking you to wait while I find the verse in the Bible. 
and Simon and those with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Jesus set an example in setting form work of departing from people and going and spending time by himself. The first thing I noticed that, come out of verse, that comes out of verse 35 is that you do it in private. This is something that isn't public. Coming to church is public, but form work is private. You can't... It's, it's something you develop a conviction about. I'm going to set time aside to spend time building with Christ a foundation that's in my life. The second thing you notice from verse 36 is you have to steal the time away from other people because they'll come looking for you and want to disrupt you. It's not easy to create a devotional time because people seem to have a way of just interrupting you while you're in there. Well, not always in a closet. But people don't respect the fact that you're trying to have time alone with God. I remember, you, know, uh, you might remember the story of that woman who had a lot of kids in a very small cottage and the only way that she could find time alone with God was to pull an apron over her head. And when the kids saw that she was sitting under the apron, they weren't allowed to interrupt her because they knew that that was the only time and only place and space that she could get time alone with God, having a commitment to, the, to spending time in his presence and to worship him. And if Jesus did it, how much more do I need to do it? It doesn't say what happened uh, in that time, but there are other times where Jesus shared with his disciples ways that they could spend time alone with God. And an example prayer is one in Luke 11. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, that's worship. That gives us an example of worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, I want to spend time with you because you're great, but also I respect you. Hallowed be your name. Great is your name. Your kingdom come. Father, I want to pray that your kingdom comes. I want to see the extension of your kingdom. I pray for the extension of your kingdom and that your will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us. Oh, did I miss one? Or is that it? That's the next one? Right. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. Asking for the needs of people. Ask. So we've got worship, we've got respect, we've got an intercession for the kingdom, we've got confession of our temptations, and we've got supplication for needs. That's some of what could happen in a time alone with God. There's another example of where Jesus goes um, into a time uh, of a solitary place. It's just after the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus has asked his uh, disciples to um, provide the needs of this crowd as an act of faith. How is the kingdom going to be extended here? And they're not, not quite sure. Jesus does the feeding of the 5,000. And then it says in um, Mark 6.45, did I give you all these ones? Good. 
Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethesda, Bethsaida, while he uh, set the multitude away. So he, get, he, he gets his disciples and he sends the people away. And when he had sent them away, when he sent both of them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And is that it, 46? Yes. You see, the thing is, when you're involved in ministry, you get depleted. I heard Graham saying, you know, they were stirring him about whether he was going to, he was awake yet or whatever. Because when you go and do things in the kingdom, when you try to extend the kingdom, it depletes you. And Jesus knows that. He sets an example. When, when you're involved in the, the extension of the kingdom of God, there's something that goes with that. Retreat into the place of solitude with God. Because you actually go into the place where formation happens. We as a church are aware. We don't want to be a brand. We don't want to be publicity. But we do want people to find Jesus. They can't find Jesus if we're not having a foundation in Jesus. And the refilling is a regular habit. It's not a chance. It requires us to plan it in. It requires us to have discipline and to have a lack of distraction. The next example I want to share with you is one where Jesus takes the disciples aside. He set them at least two examples and then he takes them away from the work of ministry for a time with him. If we read Mark 6, 7 to 9... And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out to... Oh, first off, this is the commissioning. This is what he asks them to do. So he sends them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And he commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on tunics. And verse 12... So they went out and preached that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So this is the commissioning. This is what they were sent to do. This is the extension of the kingdom. These guys were the original silence breakers. A little bit like what you were sharing, Fiona. She took the opportunity to walk up to someone And broke the silence and said, I just want to tell you, God loves you. Or in their case, they went and they released people from demons and they prayed for them. They extended the kingdom of God. And then we've got these verses in verse 30 to 32, which are the ones that in a way motivated me to create this message this morning. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus. They gathered to Jesus and told them all the things, both of what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For me, this speaks so much volume. It's, you are not an avenue to Jesus' ministry. He pulls you aside and says, come. Come to a place and rest. As it says... For there, were many, um, for there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. 
So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. For me, this speaks volumes about what God wants to do. He wants to create a time. He wants to keep reinforcing that it's important that we pull aside and, and spend time in his presence. They could have gone from one ministry activity to the next activity to the next activity, and they would have come back with you know, stories. But over time, they're depleting. They're running down. And then, you know, people get offended. And people get upset and they feel like they're not cared for. But Jesus cuts right in very early and says, no, come aside. I want to care for you. I want you to know that I love you. It's not about what you do. It's about us. Perspiration is no substitute for inspiration. Jesus gathered them. Part of it also is that we experience a time where the, our identity is exposed to Jesus. Who we are and what we're becoming is something that we spend time in his presence working through. Who am I, Jesus? I used to be this, and I'm so influenced by my background. In my example, 20 years I had forming in one way, and then I had to begin another process of forming a different way. In Jesus, I needed to know who I was, and I think I'm still working it out because there are times where I fail and I have to sit alone with Jesus and work out what that means. How do I go forward with you? How do I uh, find your forgiveness? How do I become useful in your hands? I want to be like you at the baptism where your father came from heaven and said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Don't you, like me, want to know every time you're with the father, you hear him say, with you I am well pleased. He forms that identity. He creates that in us. I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. I want us to take time to meditate in the scripture about what God wants to speak into our lives. I'm going to ask the musicians to come and to play in the background. They're not going to be playing a song so loudly that you can't hear yourself. They're going to play under your volume. I'm going to invite you to sit Stand, kneel, whatever is the way you'd like to express yourself. I'm going to get uh, some scriptures up on the screen. And what I'd like us to do is to engage with what God is saying to you from those scriptures and to pray them back to the Father. That's as a way of helping us to move into what God wants to form in us. It's formation time. We haven't done it as a church, but I want to encourage us today to be in the presence of God and allow his word to speak to our hearts. If you're comfortable, um, I'd invite you to stand now. And these verses are going to show for about 20 seconds. So 
So there's just time to absorb it and maybe pray it. Maybe you'd like to pray out loud. You don't have to, but it's a way of worshipping. Um, by way of an example, if you want to put up the first one, this is James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Father, I want to thank you that this morning we can draw near to you. And that as we draw near to you, you will draw near to me. I thank you for that. Now I'm going to turn the mic off and I'm going to let us pray and respond to the scriptures. Lord, I thank you.
I hope that that was meaningful to you and gave you an opportunity to meet God in a meditation. Let's just sing this song and lift our hearts in gratitude and thanks to him. Thank you.